Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. If you weren't here last week, we're building on what we talked about. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you, right, if you weren't here that you'll totally miss out. But I do want to say, if you have the opportunity, tell you what, take tomorrow off. Uh, and, and why don't you jump on, yeah, you have to, right? What a joke. 10 out of 10. Uh, and jump on our app or, or jump on our SoundCloud. Find our sermons and have a listen to last Sunday morning sermon on Miracle Offering on why we believe that being generous is a blessing for us as we give because uh, we're building on that. But what we wanted to do this morning is I didn't want this just to be my voice. Uh, so we've got some incredible leaders in the house. So I'm going to invite up to the stage. We've got Ben, we've got Kent and Carolyn and Em. Come on up. I've got some chairs over there for you. So you have to get your own chairs. Uh, it's uh, just, you know, spirit of service. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. We could put two here and two here. Oh, no, do them all here, actually. Look at that. That's uh, organizing on the fly. Uh, and, and these guys are incredible. They each have a testimony of, of trusting God, trusting God in, um, in finances and resources, trusting God is, is going to be faithful. And so I've asked them just to come and to share a little bit of that testimony with us this morning. Uh, and, and really the intent, and, and I'll kind of come around the end of it and uh, and, and I won't have to do any damage control because it's going to be amazing, right? They damage control me is probably the fairer way to look at it. Uh, but, but really that, that we would want to provoke generosity this morning. We don't want to f- make you feel uh, condemned or guilty or kind of cajoled, that's a great word, into being generous. But instead that, that as we share our testimonies of how we've trusted God with our resource, with our time, with our emotions, that, that for all of us, something would spark and go, oh man, actually, I feel like God's calling me to something similar, or I've trusted for God for something like that before, but I kind of put it down. So uh, we want to bring honor where honor is due, yeah? We know that as we bring honor, that, that God works in us, that it's actually for us. These guys already know they're amazing. Uh, and so could you stand to your feet uh, and welcome them uh, as they come, as they're already here? Uh, and they're going to bring the word. Em's going to be first. So did you want the pulpit? I'll bring it to you. There you go. Take a seat. <laughs> Sorry. I lost my thing on his iPad. So, <laughs> Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Emma. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family. And um, the values of generosity and tithing were instilled into me from a young age. Um, I remember my parents helping me separate out my pocket money and putting tithes to one side. And I remember them like talking to my parents over the years about the various things that they gave to. Um, My dad also works in finance and so the principles of stewardship and not wasting money were also pretty important in our family. However, I didn't seem to get the finance brain like the rest of my siblings did. And so somewhere along the line as I grew up, I became quite anxious in the area of finances, specifically the need to kind of keep my money close um, and in my control, like just in case something happened, the need to be prepared. And so when Jono and I got married, we were both university students. Um, I had just um, started my PhD and was on a PhD scholarship. And while I was so grateful to be getting paid to do my studies, um, it barely covered basic living costs. But I knew that God had opened all of the doors for me to study in this particular program. Um, The way the scholarship came about and how I even got accepted into the course is another testimony in itself. So we just trusted that the finances would somehow work. 
At that time, Jono was also working for church part-time at Wellington Equippers and um, was doing volunteering as the youth pastor for the other half of the time. And in those early years of marriage, we just decided that we would jump, jump in with both feet into church and pursuing the call that God had for us. Um, we gave up our time, we gave up our resources, kind of regardless of what else we had going on and how much we were earning. And I remember our first few miracle offerings were so exciting, um, but also a sacrifice because our budget was tight. And yet when I look back over those years, the more we surrendered our lives to God, the more God looked after us. And I don't just mean financially, like there were definitely times that God provided for us financially. You know, I remember a really clear example of being in our first cold, damp, poorly insulated Wellington flat <laughs> and desperately needing a heater, like we'd wake up and our duvet would be wet because <laughs> there just was no insulation. But, you know, we didn't have the money to buy a heater at that time and, and we didn't really want to ask our parents to buy us a heater. But the next day, our parents just sent us a heater anyway, brand new heater. And, and I think during that time, like despite not having much excess in terms of finances, God always provided what we needed. We also saw lots of blessings and job opportunities and connections made and relationships. Um, but for me personally, the biggest shift, biggest thing to shift in my life through the process of giving was my trust in God and the control money had over my heart. There was a freedom that came with knowing we were doing what God had called us to, and my trust in God increased because of that. But I noticed that as we progressed into jobs with higher salaries and started moving into the different stages of married life, um, I found it harder and harder to give in offerings. You know, when we were expecting Ollie, our, our son, um, I felt that need to control and provide for him come back really strongly, and that seemed to make it harder for me to trust God in the same way. One of the things I started feeling anxious about a few years ago was the fact that we, that a lot of our friends were buying houses. Um, but because it took me such a long time to qualify and actually start earning money, we didn't have a house deposit. Um, and over the next couple of years, we, we saved a bit, but buying, the buying market in Wellington was pretty intense at the time, and houses were selling for quite a lot of money. Um, and I found myself feeling really disheartened and I came across the scripture in Proverbs 11, verses 24 to 25, the message translation, which, which says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The, ones who blesses others, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And this scripture really helped me in those times when I felt the need to take back the control over my finances. And those times when I wanted to just pull back from giving our time and giving our resources to remind myself again and again to surrender my life to God. You know, everything I had, every part of me, every dream, every desire belonged to him. You know, I had chosen to live a life following Jesus. And then in late 2017, it was the peak of the housing bubble in Wellington. And we were about to have Ollie just a few months off. And we were paying a lot for our rental, and the landlord was wanting to put up the rent even further. And we kind of reached that point where we were like, oh man, like we could be paying off a mortgage at the same rate as what we're paying off our rental. And so we started looking 
And again, we made that decision that we weren't going to go to any open homes on a Sunday in this church, which for those of you looking, you'll realize a lot of houses are open homes on Sundays. And with our other commitments, we also just didn't have the time. And so we just made it hard on God, really. (laughs) Um, When we tried to get approval for our mortgage, uh, we knew that our budgets might raise questions over kind of the area of how much we were giving to tithes and donations. Um, But we got approval. And then after about a couple of weeks of looking, we saw this house come up on a Tuesday. And I clicked on the link and I saw that the open home had actually passed in the weekend. Um, But just on the off chance, I contacted the agent. And he said that 23 couples had come in to view the house that weekend, um, but that he could set up a private viewing for us the next day. So we went and it was this townhouse um, on top of this big hill with an incredible sea view of Wellington Harbour and Matui Soames Island, which was actually where Jono proposed to me. And the the houses on the same street were well above our price range. And we viewed the house and we loved it. And then the agent said that we'd need to put in our offer the very next day. Um, But that it was a really competitive property, so like, don't get your hopes up. So we went home, we prayed, and we put in our offer and sent it off. And the following day, Jono got a call saying that our offer had been accepted. And the agent was surprised because our offer was quite a bit lower, like we're talking 15 grand or more lower than some of the other offers that had been put in. But we had put a little personal note in, which really resonated with the owner, and so she decided to offer it to us. And it was an incredibly quick settlement, and within one month, we were living within our, in our own home. And our mortgage repayments were less than the rent that we were paying at the time. <laughs> Not only that, but when we sold our house to move to Christchurch, we made an amazing profit on the house, and so now we have the deposit to start looking down here. So my journey with giving hasn't yet been about extravagant offerings, but just laying down what I have in the different seasons and asking God what he wants me to do with it. And I don't get it right all the time. You know, there are times when I've felt the Holy Spirit ask me to give, and I haven't done it out of fear or selfishness, but I remember how I felt in those moments after, because actually the best decision that I've made is giving myself and my resources. God has been so faithful and so much more than our finances, you know, stuff that money can't buy, but in areas that I don't think would have been able to change and grow had I not chosen to sacrifice my money first. Because for me, giving my money and my control allows, allowed the other areas of my life to follow. Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, you can, do, you can come up as well. <laughs> so uh, my name's Kent, and this is my uh, amazing wife, Carolyn, and we're just going to do a small kind of tag team um, of this. So we're going to start that um, last year, February, uh, we came to Christchurch. We, had, um, we really felt God speak to us that actually it was time to, to move, to take a, a step. And for us, it was actually a huge step. We'd been um, in Timaru, well, since I was 11. Um, and I'd been in one church for 36 years, uh, one job for 34 years. Carolyn was established in her job. So it meant both of us leaving our jobs so that I could come to Christchurch and do an internship here at Equippers, which was amazing. I absolutely loved doing it. So if anyone's actually thinking of doing an internship, 
just go for it. But man, it was a it was a huge step for us to step out of what we were we were totally used to doing and was easy for us. We had been told, look, you, your house is paid off. Just spend some a couple of years, and you've set yourself up for you know for the rest of your retirement, whatever you want to do, because you've, you'll have saved all the money you need. And we, we, we just felt God say, actually, you know, you need to, you need to trust me in this. And we, we felt a real peace in it. So the next thing we did, as all I did, is I signed the, um, the wee form to send it away to saying, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out and do this. And then pretty much straight after I did that, I mean, what could go wrong? Straight after I did that, hail destroyed our car along with 11,000 other cars in Timaru. It just absolutely, completely destroyed it. And we were like, oh my goodness. So nearly half of the savings that we had put aside to survive a year of me not working up here disappeared. It was like, you know, in that moment, it was like it was a bit of a shock, really, that like we've stepped out. Yay, we trust you, God. And we, and we did, because God is a good God, and God is in control. And we knew that. We, we knew that everything that we had, everything that is good in our lives, came from God. And, and that doesn't mean that everything's easy. But what, what it does mean is that our trust in God, which is foundational in our lives, in, in our marriage, underpinned every decision that we made so the choices that we made the direction is all underpinned by by that trust in God and and his ability to not just meet our needs but overly meet our needs so then we can bless others so we we stepped out and we didn't let the circumstances actually control our decision making we were like actually God this is what you want us to do so we, we moved forward with that. And not only did we move forward with that, we felt God say, don't step backwards with your car when you buy a new one. Like you could buy a cheap one and get the rest of the insurance money, put it aside, put it to that next year. Don't worry. I've, I've got you guys. You step forward in your car because you're stepping forward in me. So we went, okay, we'll buy a pretty much a new car. It wasn't quite, but it was very close. Something we'd never had in our lives. And we were about to move to Christchurch. It was like, how could this, how could this happen? But we had a new car. Suddenly, the, the government says, I'll pay your fees. I was like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? But it, it came from God, I believe. So uh, I, what I want to say is that Carolyn and I, for our entire marriage, have tithed our, and given our time and our finances. We've sowed into the kingdom with everything that we've had. And I truly believe that actually unlocks amazing blessing over our lives. You know, when I look at this past year, we should have had less money. We had one job, and you know, I was flying to the Auckland every now and again, not as much because of COVID, but you know, money was going out. But when we ended the year, our finances were better than they had ever been. I mean, I mean, ever been. And 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 that can only be God. And we so we can sow out of that again. And I just wanna I just wanna add one more bit before Carolyn kind of goes off that. Is that 
I believe it's actually, um, it comes from my, my parents. My parents have sown and they continue, they, like, they put money aside every week, dedicated to looking for things to sow into. So they target things and they sow money. And so they've given and tithed all their lives. So that generational blessing has come down to us. And now you can see it in our children as well. So, so when we bless, when we give, it doesn't just affect us. It actually affects generations. So we're actually coming up to 30 years at the end of the year together. I know. I don't feel old enough, really. Um, so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking that it's actually a real journey. It's a, uh, The journey we're on is a walk of faith. And so if we're not walking, you know, how, how can we trust him with anything if we're not actually taking that step out? And um, for me, it's been a long time coming. So probably 20 years we've been, really feel like that call of God on our hearts to step out and do something for him. Um, it's not just about the things around you, accumulating stuff, but, you know, what are you doing for his kingdom? And, um, yeah, so I've got a couple of scriptures to encourage you with this morning. I'm going to take those off. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So not grudgingly, out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always have all sufficiency in all things. May you have an abundance for every good work. So he doesn't just give enough for us, but, uh, but there's so much more that then we can bless others with. So put God first and trust in him. Awesome. Hey, um, I'm Ben. Um, I apologize in advance if I crack a high. Um, just sore throat. Anyway, um, croak your throat. Moving on. So um, my, my testimony um, starts back when I was a university student and I was on the humble student loan. Um, earning approximately $176.50 a week or something like that. Um, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, and I was also doing, so I had some part-time work, which was getting me like an extra $50 a week. I'd just moved to Christchurch. It was like my first year. It was just 2015. I'd just moved here. My first year kind of, I'd flattered once in Dunedin, but really my first year away from Dunedin my whole life. And <coughs> I, my parents had tithed. It was something that they did. But it wasn't necessarily something that they said you need to tithe, um, which I think was kind of nice because it let us figure it out on our own um, as kids. But um, when I got here and I started hearing more about tithing, and I was like, well, I don't really have that much to give. Um, but I, I started, and I just started tithing with what I had. And 
first thing is I, I never struggled that year. Um, uh, you know, I was paying way more than I was in rent up here than I did in Dunedin, and that was for a flat that had ice on the inside of the windows in winter. It was a good time. Um, it was really good. Anyway, um, so uh, miracle offering came up, and so this is a testimony specific to sort of this time of year, um, and I felt God say, I'd, I'd, well, I'd like you to give this amount, and I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, uh, and so I... <laughs> I was just like, hey, well, that's a decent amount of money for what I have, and also that's, uh, it's, uh, um, well, I've never really given anything that much before, and so I, I, well, I decided I would pledge it, um, and I would say, okay, well, I'll, I'll give that amount of money, and, well, I, I didn't immediately give that amount of money. I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it when I don't need it anymore, essentially, is what I said. So, um, you know, I had a, uh, my, I'd just gotten engaged to my wife uh, the year before, so we're planning for a wedding. Um, we didn't necessarily know what we were doing the next year, um, in terms of where we'd be living, all that kind of stuff, and I wanted to just have a bit of a contingency plan, in terms of money that I'd need, in case things just fell to pieces, and I still got to pay for the wedding, and all, all this other stuff. And so, it got to kind of like mid-December. We were getting married in mid-January. I think it was mid-December. Anyway, God was like, now's the time to give that money. I was like, really? <laughs> of all the timing, right now, like I, I could pay, st- pay stuff off like this week with that money. But you want, I was, I was just like, why? <laughs> anyway, um, it was just like the timing was really funny. But I, I decided, and I, I, I heard it, and it just kept weighing on, you know, in my mind and my heart. And I was like, okay, now's the time to give this. And so I did. And it was, yeah, a bit of a kind of giving moment. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a struggle. But uh, what happened next was, well, incredible to say the least. So, I mean, we didn't have to worry about anything to do with our wedding. I mean, our parents came to the party and were just absolutely awesome champions, which is, which is a good start. I mean... Thank you to all the parents out there. I'm a parent now, and I'm learning um, just what's going to have to happen in the future. But anyway, um, so um, so wedding I pay for. We managed to somehow pay for our bond for our flat. Uh, we managed to pay for our, our honeymoon. We got gifted an amount that was ten times the amount that I'd sown in that offering. It was very very unusual, but it all happened in the space of three months following that. Um, and, you know, we were just blown away, to say the least. Um, but what we realized is actually, and again, it comes back to that principle, everything we have is God's already. Um, and if God has, you know, all the resource, and we've, we've just got a little bit that we, we steward and hold on to, it's something that he's given us to take care of, basically. But if he wants it back, it's his. But then also he can just get, dish it right out again. Um, and in abundance, um, and I mean, it's, it's up to him, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it was just this really incredible time, but I think for Joanne and I, it really set the tone for our, our marriage in terms of what we would do with our money from that point on. It was like, well, we know we can trust God in any, any circumstance. We know He's faithful and He's, you know, He's got our best interests at heart. He's never going to let us, you know, struggle to that extent, like, I know, I know that, you know, at times things aren't as easy, but at the same time, we've, we've always been blessed since, and I don't know, I just have been r- really, um, yeah, blown away by that, but it just has made me want to encourage you that, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily matter how much, again, on a humble student kind of 
living cost to be able to sow something and to see what God will do with that. Uh, it's just a really, uh, I can encourage you, just a really beneficial way of just saying, God, I, I trust you. Um, and really kind of put your money where your mouth is in some ways, you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's all I've really got to say. But I just encourage you, like, give it a go. Store your treasure up in heaven where the treasure really is valuable. And the treasure down here will rust away and, you know, be eaten by moths. Like, that's what it says in, in Scripture. We've got to, you know, really trust God because, again, it all comes from Him in the first place. Yeah, so that's me. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I love the fact that, that you know, these are four uh, incredible testimonies. But actually, this is a house full of testimonies that, that each and every one of us uh, have, have opportunities to trust God. Uh, and that in doing that, when we do that, that God is faithful. And, and really, part of what we're believing for you uh, as a church in, in this miracle offering season is that it's your opportunity to get a testimony. That, that as we step out, as we trust God, as we create an opportunity uh, in, in which we place Him enthroned in, in, in our life, maybe remove some things that have crept into the ro- right thing in the wrong place, uh, that in doing that, we find that God's faithful and we build a testimony. And, and really, as a team, that's been our prayer for you over these next coming weeks, that it's, again, we don't want you to feel pressured. I, I love that, that Carolyn uh, referenced that scripture, that we want to be generous, we want to be cheerful givers, right? So we don't want you to feel like you have to, but, but we do actually believe that giving is, is the best thing. Hey, I'd love to share one more testimony and, and then um, just one quick idea. Is that all right? That's good. A testimony that I want to share with you is if you gave in the miracle offering last year, uh, one of the things I talked about last week is that I didn't kind of want to stand up here and, and, and give a sales pitch of these are the things that we want to do with miracle offering this year because actually we're not giving to try and make things happen. We're giving as an act of worship, as an act of spiritual warfare to say, hey, this thing doesn't have my heart. God, I'm trusting you, not, hey, I want to make this thing uh, happen. But I did say on the other side of that, we want to be really committed to telling a good story with, with how we use those, those funds that are gathered together. People remember that? Some of you are like, no, I, I told you there, so, so now you get it, right? So I want to tell you, uh, as you know, um, India has been hit really, really hard with COVID, right? They've had a, a super hard time of it uh, because of the huge surge in COVID in the last couple of months, and it's affected a, a large number of people, which has effectively led to a, a huge humanitarian crisis across the nation. And as a result, uh, Binu and Dina, who, who lead Equippers in Kolkata, they they, they felt uh, prompted by God to take the initiative to, to bring hope to the people around them, the community around them, in really, really practical ways. And, and so they decided that what they wanted to do was provide, if we go to the next slide, these kits. Uh, they wanted to put together kits that, that contained groceries uh, and toiletries and other essentials, so things like rice, dal, flour, oil, sugar, tea, soap, sanitizer, to, to people around them in the community that they're in in Kolkata. And the intent being that each one of these kits would supply a family for, for about a month, right? And, and so they said, hey, we want to do this, and, and we don't have the resource to bless the community in the way that we want to bless the community. So we exist in a global family, right? Equippers is a global network, we believe, in impacting not just New Zealand, but the nations. And so they reached out uh, and said, hey, look, we're, we're putting together these kits. Would anyone be interested in, in, in partnering with us? In, in blessing Kolkata and making some sort of a difference. They said, we want to put together uh, initially 2,000 packs 
So we want to su support 2,000 families in the initial phase, and, and, and 1,000 of those will be in Kolkata in the communities that they partner with through the NGOs that they run and, and the families that are connected through church, and then another 1,000 throughout West Bengal uh, in the New India Churches of God, which are churches that Binu oversees. And so I want to let you know that because of your generosity in previous years, we as a church have been able to sponsor 200 kits. That there are 200 families in India and Kolkata and, and wider West Bengal that for a month don't have to worry about food, don't have to worry about sanitation, don't have to worry about those things because they've got enough on their plate, right? And I just think it's beautiful that, that that's part of the reason that we do Miracle Offering is so that when these opportunities come along, when these needs come along, we don't have to kind of gather together and say, hey, can we do this? We can respond immediately and say, is there a need? The need is filled. And that's not just something that we do as a church here in, in Christchurch, but we're believing that across Equippers churches internationally that we can fill this need, that, that we can bless people that we will probably never meet. And I just think it's a great example of our miracle offering at work that we as a church can be agile, that we can run towards problems being God's hands and feet. And so I just want to say, if you've given previously in miracle offering, maybe last year, thank you, right? That's your that's your money, that's your prayers, that's your funds at work. And I do want to encourage us too, we don't just give money. I'm telling you about this so we can also come in behind it with prayer. That we can believe that, that when we see them, you know, not this year at Shout, but, but maybe in a couple years time, that, that we can share in the testimonies and know that we had a part to play uh, in, in what they're doing. Uh, and, and, I, and I also want to encourage you, if you're like me and Em, right, we arrived here in November last year. We took up Miracle Offering in, in August of last year. Uh, and you haven't given in Miracle Offering, this is your opportunity, just like it's my opportunity, to be a part of the next difference that we can make. That the next time that I'm standing up here and I'm talking about the funds that we've used to, to bless the world, that, that I can be a part of that. And because and, we believe that blessing is, sorry, that giving is a blessing for the giver, yeah? I, I also want to say to that, and, and I'm almost done, in fact, I might get uh, the Rachel up on keys. It was nice to see you up on keys today, Rachel. Uh, so good. But I want to say, too, I, I know that uh, a few people have asked me, because we did take up Miracle Offering in August of last year, right? And you might have noticed it's not, it's not August now. I don't know if you've noticed that about the calendar. Like, yeah, it's quite, so some of you, you know, often we might pledge and we'll give, uh, you know, across the year to meet that pledge. If you're in that situation, uh, we don't want you to feel like, oh, man, now I've got two pledges going on or whatever. So, you know, it's up to you what you do. But I do want to say that, that our preference is that you would jump in with us now. Uh, and, and shy of COVID or any lockdowns kind of stopping us, we'll get back to a regular uh, yearly sort of miracle offering around about this time. So if you've got an amount yet that you haven't honored, we don't want you to feel guilty or shamed about that. That prevents you from partnering this year. We don't want you to be on the back foot, but feel free to be released from that obligation. If you want to meet it, by all means, right? That's, that's up to you. But again, we believe that that blessing is a giving. And, and, and so to quote again from, from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, we only ever want people to give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? It's not our intent to, to convince you to give, but to provoke you to give. And I love the, the theme that came through in those testimonies, that, that it's an opportunity that we have to give, that we get to partner with God. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, in which Paul writes, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. 
they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, being referenced as they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. You know, again, as, as Ben said, everything belongs to God. You know, Paul says in, in 1 Timothy, do not be proud and not to trust in money, which is so unreliable because that's our natural inclination to trust in what we can amass. You know, like M said and, and Carolyn and Kent referred to, money is a way of controlling the world, of feeling like we can, we can make things work, that we can be our own safety net. And we're not advocating for being irresponsible with finances. Again, we're not saying if you're in bad debt to give from, from bad debt, but, but I'm saying that there has to be a moment in our life in which we choose what's gonna be God. You know, I, I think it can be best uh, summed up as maybe the idea between an entitled and an entrusted mindset. Quick, quick show of hands, and, and I, I promise I'm almost done. This will take five, ten, an hour, just an hour, just one more hour. Who here has ever house sat for someone? Yeah, quick show of hands. I, I love house sitting, right? There's one, one thing about house sitting. Obviously, I only ever love house sitting if the person whose house I'm sitting is nicer than my house. Yeah, otherwise, if their house isn't nicer than my house, then I say, no, I'll just come around and feed your cat. I don't want to, right? Like, why would I, my couch is more comfortable, I'll, I'll stay. But I love, I love house sitting. And in that moment, it's a real honor, isn't it? Like, man, this person has trusted me with their house. And, but, but when you're looking after someone's house, you're always mindful of the fact that you want them to come back to it in as good or better condition than they left it. Like currently with Ollie and Harriet, I would not house sit for anyone because I would not be able to maintain that promise, right? They'd come back. And something would be drawn on the walls or something would be ripped or smushed into the carpet. It just wouldn't happen. But, but, but I love that, that idea that when we're entrusted with something, we're mindful of how we look after it. That, that, that if everything is God's, then, then what does that mean about how we live our life? You know, sometimes I think we're really good at acknowledging that, that everything's God's. I don't know about you. For, usually for me, those are the moments when I need something. And, and I break out those prayers where I'll pray like Psalm 24, God, the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. Or, or, or I'll break out Psalm 50, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, which is great. But then the need kind of goes away a little bit and, and things get a little bit more back to normal and get a little bit more comfortable. And, and, and I find that I put a bit of distance between myself and those passages. I'm like, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. This is my cow. You've got enough. Leave my cow to me, right? Like, this is mine. You do what you want to do with your thousand cows. Why can't I just have my one cow to do what I want to do with? And I, I, I think that, that so often in life I can have an entitled mindset. But if I have this entitled mindset that it's mine to do with what I wish, then I end up running into the basic assumption that underruns it. That if everything that I have is mine, then God isn't actually God. He's a mascot. And, and when I come to a moment in my life in which I need help, in which I need divine intervention, when I need God, when I need a Savior, I'm going to have to look to myself. Because ultimately, I've said, no, I'll be God. The other side, though, is if we have an entrusted mindset, it also requires something of us. The Bible depicts the world as this profoundly interrelated community, and it calls us to live in such a way that the community is strengthened. I want to share one quote with you, and then we're going to pray, and I'm done. A, a great theologian, one of my favorites, is a man named Bruce Waltke. And, and he has this quote when he's talking about the teachings of, of being righteous in, in the book of Proverbs. He says this, The righteous, the Sadiq, is the Hebrew word, are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. 
You know, I think this is, this is so clear when we look at something like the gleaning laws of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 24, 19 to, to 22. I won't read it, but it's on the screen behind me. But, but in it, the landowners are commanded to not maximize their profits, but instead to, to instead of harvesting all the sheaves of weed or the grapes or the olives, that they were to leave some produce in the field for those in need to come and harvest. And it's interesting because when the text reads that the olives and the grapes shall be for the foreigners and the orphans and the widows, it uses this phrase that indicates ownership. It it doesn't say be nice and give some of your excess away. Pick it all and, and then choose how you'll be generous. It says that the excess, the stuff that we have that is more than what we need, belongs to the needy, which is a really hard concept to wrap our heads around, isn't it? Especially if we have an entitled mindset. No, no, I work really hard for everything that I've got. I put in the hard work to get this. This is mine and I can do with it what I want. But, but if we have an entrusted mindset, we say, actually, everything I have is by the grace of God. I might have worked hard for it, definitely. But the reward of that hard work was the work itself. The things that I have been given, I have been entrusted with. And if God wants to use them, then I can trust that He will bless me in a way that I won't need, that, that He'll be with me. You know, church, we're made to to reflect the very nature of God, and God, by His very nature, is abundantly generous. We're done, but I want to say, and I want to be clear on this, we don't give to attract blessing. Right? I'm, I'm not telling you to plant a seed by, by ringing the, the number at the bottom of the screen or, 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 or anything like that. We're not, we're not preaching prosperity gospel. But I do want to say that the problem with prosperity gospel is that the reason it reaches so far is it's based in a truth, that, that generosity does result in blessing. Right? Not in a manipulating God way, not in a, oh man, I'm going to sow this and therefore God has to do this for me. But, but because we align ourselves in the right way of the world, we come into the correct order of things. We submit to God and He blesses that. And it's not always through financial prosperity. It's not a get rich quick scream. But so often in my life, I've found that it's been through peace, through trust, through, through a fresh perspective on what matters, through dethroning an idol in my life. And often in my life, I've found that when I'm generous, when I trust God, when I bring my finances in order, reminding myself that it's not mine, but it's God's, God blesses that. Church, why don't you stand to your feet with me? When you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're gonna finish with a song in just a moment. But I wanna remind you that, that as we're in this moment as a church, we believe that giving is spiritual warfare that it's a chance to put things in the right order, to remind ourselves that, that money isn't our God or our security or our comfort, but that we have an opportunity in this moment to trust God. And it might require us to lay something down. It might require us to give in a way that hurts a little bit because it dethrones the idol and the thing that we put in the wrong place. It might be a moment, I know for me, that it so often is in which I say, man, this is, this is hard, but I'm not trusting in this. I'm trusting in God. To finish where we started, we don't want anyone to, to give out a compulsion, but from what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and my prayer is, is some of us here are ready to give today. That's awesome. But, but if you've come in and maybe you weren't here last Sunday, if today you got a pledge form for the first time, don't feel that you have to give today. I want you to take it away, think it over, pray on it, that we can give joyfully. We're going to conclude this next week, and, and our prayer is that we would bring it all together and, and that God would do something miraculous in a way that dethrones money in our hearts, in a way that builds resource for the kingdom, and ultimately in a way that prepares testimony for each of us. So we could say, man, I trusted God and He was faithful. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.